The topic of today's episode is meaningful anytime, but I feel like it is especially meaningful right now because it is back to school season in the United States. So I picked this topic with that in mind, how to respectfully advocate for your children and teach them to do the same. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I get emails every day from listeners of this podcast, and I love it. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your thoughts on the episodes, suggestions for episode topics, introductions to you and your family, and also those super generous emails that just say thank you. I really enjoy hearing from you. And a few months ago, I got an email from a listener and I knew right away that her suggestion for an episode topic was something that I wanted to cover. And not only that, I knew that I wanted her to be the one (laughs) to talk about it on the podcast. Um, So I just want to start by reading what she wrote in that email as an introduction to the topic that we'll be talking about today. She wrote, at some point, all of our children need us to be their voice. We need to help them be understood and successful in situations where the regularly scheduled program is just not a good fit. This is very true for children with special needs, but it is also true for every child who finds themselves in a tricky situation. How do we find the balance between helping our children be successful and letting them do hard things? How do we speak to teachers, coaches, leaders, and peers in a way that opens hearts and opportunities? How do we navigate a situation when we feel our children are not safe? How do we help our children to find their own voice and, when possible, learn to advocate for themselves? And I loved all of her questions there, and I responded and asked her to send some of her thoughts and takeaways, and she did, and I loved it, so I invited her on. So today we are going to have Emily Orchard on 3 and 30 Podcast. So welcome, Emily. Thank you, Rachel. I'm happy to be here. And I just want to give a little bit of your professional background. So you're a speech-language pathologist. You spent the last 16 years working in schools. And then you're a mom of four kids. Yeah, that's right. When I work, I just love helping children develop strong communication skills. And I feel like my own four kids have given me lots of humbling opportunities to work on my own communication skills. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. And I'm sure lots of practice with all of the theoretical things that you learned in your profession. Now you get to practice with your own four. Yes, that's right. And just in general, I am really passionate about advocating for children. So I'm excited you wanted to talk about this today. Yeah. And I really loved what struck me about our emails back and forth was that you said you've been on both sides of the table, that you've been in the professional context, writing the IEPs or being in the meetings with teachers and parents and kids. But then you've also been a mom on the other side of the table, being in those meetings as the mother. So what what would you say about that kind of having experience in both of those roles? Um, really, I think it's been a gift to be able to see both sides. I remember I had worked for 
definitely more than 10 years, the first time I went to my son's school to have a meeting where they'd kind of done some testing and we were going to talk about what would help him. And my only goal that day was to not cry because I knew as an educator and as a professional, it wasn't always helpful to be emotional in these meetings. But I didn't reach that goal that day. I cried. It's hard. It's really hard when um, we need to be a voice and we need to make sure that our kids are having the best possible experience. So really after that experience is when I think I made this topic a focus of what I do in work as well. I love working with parents and helping them problem solve how we can advocate. So what does it mean to advocate I think when we advocate, we're really supporting a certain person or a cause. And when we are an advocate for someone, we speak out and we are their voice to those in authority. And we really want to promote positive change. And I think that's a big, important part of being an advocate is you're focusing on the positive. You want to see positive change. You're not just a critic out there tearing things down, but you're trying to build a bridge. So I think that kind of brings me to my first takeaway. Perfect. So when we are advocating, it's really important for us to know our purpose, to have a real clear understanding of what our role is in this particular situation. And I always go through kind of my three M's, knowing my purpose as a mom in the moment or at this meeting. So being really specific, what is it that I need to say or what is it that I need to promote? What change am I looking for right now? As a mom, my purpose is to love, to teach, to really understand my child's strengths and their weaknesses, to believe in them and really help them face some hard things. I need to remember that my purpose is not to convince the world that I'm a great mom or let everyone know all the things that I'm doing, or all of the things that my child needs. I can have a specific purpose to make them successful, you know, in that moment, to help them be successful in that moment. Yeah. And I love that you pointed it out that it's not our purpose for every person to think that we're great moms. Um, That is a really tough one. And there was a recent episode on this podcast with Marilyn Faulkner, where she talked about your child's actions are not about you. And when you make them about you, it really becomes, it's a selfish motivation. You're no longer really worrying about helping them to be better or teaching them. You're more concerned about what everybody else around you is thinking about you and how we as parents have got to separate from that desire to be seen as perfect parents and instead just focus on helping our kids. That's so true. I love that you mentioned that. I did love that podcast, actually. I listened to it. And I do think it's important to recognize the emotions that come up when our children aren't benefiting from that regular scheduled program. When we do maybe need to be a voice and help problem solve, there's a lot of emotions. And sometimes our own frustration and even embarrassment can be a part of it. But we, if we really remember what our purpose is, it can be helpful. Um, I want to share a story that kind of first brought this into focus for me. One mm-hmm. of my sons um, was having trouble in his class at church. 
So that Sunday school hour, that primary part where he is with his peers and a teacher, the teacher started bringing him to me in my adult class every Sunday saying he's he just can't handle it. He's not sitting still. He's a huge distraction. Um, and this happens multiple Sundays in a row. And so I knew it was time. I just needed to really kind of help advocate to be his voice and help him have a better experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And without really thinking through, I just dove into an emotional conversation with the teacher on a Sunday in the hallway. And I found myself really oversharing, just telling her a ton of information about what we were dealing with, about some decisions that we were trying to make for my son, about some testing we had done, about questions we had about whether or not that we were going to um, medicate and what all went into that important decision. And I realized when I looked into her eyes and she kind of had this glossy look, I was, <laughs> I was missing the moment. I didn't know my purpose with that particular teacher and what would be helpful right then. So I had to really pedal back and say, you know, give me some time this week. I'm going to think about this and then I'll come back to you. And I I promise we'll find something that works. And I realized Mm -hmm. that my purpose right then was to help my son have a positive experience on Sundays. I wanted him to be able to be part of his class, but also that teacher didn't have a lot of resources available to her and she needed to teach her lesson and help the other kids. So I decided to just go in with him for a few weeks and sit with him. And when he had something to say or somewhere to go, I was there to help him with that. I got to hear some of those teachers' lessons, and she was absolutely amazing. Loved her. She was doing such a great job. And Mm. um, through that process, I was able to kind of identify what would help him in that situation. And then we were able to problem solve that together. It ended up being a great experience, but I can always remember what it felt like standing in that hallway, just kind of sharing all of this thing, all these things that she just didn't need to know. And so now dumping all the emotions. Yes, yes. And so now first, um, when I feel like there's a situation where I need to advocate for my child, I stop and recognize, okay, what is my purpose right now? What is my goal for my child? How can I make that happen? And how would you do this in a more formal setting? like a meeting at the school. And I did mention IEP earlier, and I now I realize not everybody is going to know what that means. So it, IEP is an individualized education plan. And I was a teacher, and so I was in a lot of these meetings too. And they can be pretty tense. So there's a number of teachers, professionals in the room, and then the mom um, or the parents. And so how do you handle a situation like that as a parent where you may feel a bit outnumbered and you're trying to advocate for your child. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel outnumbered. And, you know, really, um, the laws require a certain amount of people to be in that room. They all have a purpose and they're all there as a team to make sure that every student is, is having the best possible experience. But as a parent, when you walk in there, it can kind of feel like you versus them. It can be really mm-hmm. overwhelming. And just like you just explained what IEP stands for, There's a lot of different acronyms and vocabulary that not all the parents understand. And so I think in order to understand your purpose in the meeting, it's great when the meeting's scheduled to just be really clear. What is 
um, the topic for this meeting. What are we meeting for? What are we going to talk about? So as a parent, you can kind of prepare and you can determine um, what you think would be important to share about your child. And then you'll know ahead of time, are we going to be writing goals? Are we going to just be reviewing testing? And then when you're at the meeting to remember that you don't have to make any decisions right there on the spot. Sometimes a lot of information is shared and it's okay to say, um, give me some time to think this through, or I'm going to go home and read through this again. And don't ever feel in the moment like you have to sign anything or make final decisions. It can definitely be a process. I love that, especially because I think it can feel like you do have to in the moment that these people are in authority and you need to do what they want, which it isn't me versus them. It is more collaborative and you can say, I'm not ready to make the decision yet. I need some time. That is a great tip. Yeah. And, and also just remembering that instead of us versus them, you've got a room full of really great people that want the best for your student. And I think when we mm. go into a meeting, recognizing that it really helps us focus on our purpose and have a positive outcome. Yeah. And I think that leads really well into your second takeaway. So can you introduce that to us? Yeah. When we've established our purpose and um, we know what would be helpful, I want to lead with love. My second takeaway, I think, really reminds us not to act out of fear or anger, which is easy to do. You know, sometimes our first question is, is my child okay in this situation? Um, or is there a person or a situation that's hurting my child? But when we lead with love, we can be kind and we can also be firm. I mm. truly believe in all the years that I've worked with kids, that 99% of people who work with children have good intentions and are really doing their best. And when we come from a place of love and support, they can feel it. But I also know that sometimes we don't have a relationship going in um, with the coach or the teacher or um, you know the peer that we feel like we need to advocate with. So if we just lead out with love for our own child and say, I'm in a place of love for my child, um, that can remind us to not go straight to that knee-jerk reaction of being that mama bear. Yes. And I think just going in assuming the best of people first, and then um, it that may not be true, but start out assuming the best, assuming that maybe there was a misunderstanding if there's some situation that has arisen and that it can be sorted out in a kind way that everybody feels good about. Yes. I have an example that I saw at work, a wonderful mom that I worked with, and her child had been mistreated by a teacher's assistant. And of all the experiences I've seen, I think this is one that might fall into that 1% where um, it just wasn't a good situation. It would have been easy for this mom to run into that school in anger and yell and scream at every single person that worked there. But she didn't. She led with love. She um, called a meeting with the principal and she started out by saying, I appreciate all the good things that have happened. Here's something that happened. This person will not work with my child again. I don't think they should work with any other children. The principal agreed. And that mom was able to go on. And her son had a really positive experience at that school. Um, if the principal hadn't have agreed, 
um, that mom would have not backed down. She would have lovingly ensured that her son um, didn't have to work with that particular teacher's assistant. And maybe that would have looked like putting him in a different school. But when she would, when she led with love, I just was so impressed that her son was able to continue to grow and develop and all the wonderful things that were going on could still happen. Sometimes when we mm. lead with fear or anger, um, we really end up throwing out a lot of wonderful things that are going on too. Absolutely. I've definitely seen that to be true. I have an example as a mom as well. Yeah, <laughs> when great. I needed to remember to lead with love, I had a a middle schooler who had asked to watch this show that is just not appropriate for kids to watch. And I had said really clearly, you know, we don't watch that show. And this kid came home so excited. Guess what, mom? My advisory teacher is showing us clips of this show in class and I get to see it. And it's so funny. So of course, my reaction, I was so angry at first. I was so mad. And I really thought this is so inappropriate. I'm going to email the principal right away. I can't understand how the teacher would do this. Um, but I, I decided to wait a minute and make sure that I was leading mm -hmm. with love. So I contacted the teacher directly, which I think is a part of leading with love. If at all possible, when we can go to the source first and really try to solve it there, I think it's usually well received. So I emailed the teacher and said, you know, my child loves your class. I know there's a lot of good going on there, but he said you're showing clips from the show. And here are the reasons why that show is not appropriate. And the teacher was great. You know, she apologized. She said that she was only showing small clips. But after I pointed out kind of my thoughts, she recognized that it wasn't appropriate. She had taught high school in the past and she really hadn't considered the implications for younger children. But she said, you know, thanks. I'm not going to use that as part of my class anymore. And then my son went on to really enjoy her as a teacher. And I'm so glad mm. that I didn't get in the way of having great things happen there. Yeah, I what a great story. And I think that is so true about going to the source instead of going to some higher up. That is a huge positive thing to show respect and and lead with love with different people in our lives versus trying to get them in trouble in some way. Yes. I had an example just last week. I knew we were going to record this podcast. And like I said, I've been passionate about positive advocating but I went to pick up my daughter and there had been a change in her coaching staff and I didn't know about it. And um, I, at this point, when I went to pick her up, I was tired. I was hungry. I was emotional about something else. And I started to kind of dive in. And then I realized, okay, leading with love is not in the cards for me right now. I need to come back to this. And then when I did, I realized that although there had been a change, there were still a lot of good things happening and everything was going to be just fine. Oh, so good. So good that you could stop yourself and notice that you're, you weren't in the best space yourself to have self-control at that moment. <laughs> so you're like, let's revisit this when I'm rested and I've had food to eat and I'm in a good state of mind. That is a great tip right there. Yes. And sometimes I don't catch myself soon enough. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll have one of those experiences where we kind of hear these words coming out of our mouth and we see the face of the person we're talking to and we realize this isn't going well. And I think it's okay to say, 
listen, we're having an important conversation here, but I just am going to come back to it. I'll get back to you. I'm sorry this isn't going well. And I think everyone understands. And I think it's also totally okay to follow up if you have a negative interaction with someone and, and apologize and say, I'm really sorry that I handled it that way. And that was disrespectful that I talked to you that way. Can, can we try again, you know, and just be human. Yes. So much of advocating and promoting positive change is building those relationships. And it's having not just one discussion, but opening the door to having more interactions. Um, My third takeaway, I think is something that doesn't always come naturally that I've had to work at, but is so important. And that is to have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And can you explain what that means? I feel like people are familiar with that term, but maybe not everyone. So explain what a growth mindset is. So when we have a growth mindset, we recognize that we're on a continuum from I am not able to do something right now, but I'm working on it. I am growing. And it really helps us stay away from black and white thinking of, I can't do this. Right. I really appreciate, I've seen a lot in the schools, my children's schools, a lot of growth mindset. So when they go to the teacher saying, I can't do this problem, they're really working on changing the verbiage there to, I'm trying this. Would you be able to help me? Or I'm still working on this. Mm. And growth mindset is so important for us as adults too. We don't have it all figured out yet. Right. And it's so empowering to think not that I can't do that ever, but that I'm still trying, I'm working on it. There's room for me to improve. Yes. Now this comes into play in so many ways. The first way is having a growth mindset about our own children. And even though right now we recognize strengths and weaknesses, and we know maybe some things that could help them be successful, um, recognize that those things will grow and change as they develop. And having a growth mindset when we talk about our children. So instead of saying to the teacher, my child can't make friends, we can say, my child is still developing his social skills. He'd really benefit from a safe, predictable place that he can go during recess because this unstructured time is really hard for him right now. Mm. Um, Instead of saying, you know, my child can't complete this assignment, we can say my child's still learning how these problems work. She'll need some extra time and support before we can turn it in. Mm. And this is really important if we ever find ourselves advocating when our child is there. Um, We need to recognize that even very young children pick up on some of those nonverbal cues. Even if we think that they don't understand everything we're saying, they can really sense what we're trying to communicate. And if so if they're right there next to us and we're having a conversation with their teacher and saying they can't do this, they can't do this, they're going to pick up on that. Mm. Um, and Really, one of the things that I work with parents is to help them recognize that when our children are young and they're not quite ready to be part of the process, we need to be really careful and oftentimes not talk at all in front of them until they kind of start to have an understanding of what it looks like to grow and develop. Yeah, I love that. I feel like it goes back to another principle that's been mentioned on this podcast before, but to speak words of faith, not of fact, that 
um, even just labeling a child in a certain way, even if it is kind of a fact, um, but that that will reinforce that for them. And so they will continue to carry that role. But if you speak words of faith instead, then they'll start to believe that role. You know, even like little silly things like I used to pick up my daughter from preschool and sometimes she would have fallen asleep during their little rest time and she would be super grumpy. And so I would go in and get her and I'd say, oh, like she's she always wakes up grumpy from a nap, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And her preschool teacher, who is like the sweetest, kindest Waldorf preschool teacher, pulled me aside and she said, try saying I'm so glad that you got rest. Now you're going to be, you know, you'll have energy for the rest of the day and you'll be cheerful. And I was like, wow, like what a small shift. But it does make a difference in what they think of like, okay, from here on out forever, I'm always going to wake up grumpy from a nap or to have this different mindset of this nap rejuvenated me and I can choose to be happy and cheerful now. And I was grateful that that preschool teacher gave me that little tip about my words, the power of my words. Yes, I love that. And in the meantime, if you know right now that your child does have a hard time after they wake up for their nap, you know, you might advocate for them by making sure that they have morning kindergarten instead of afternoon kindergarten, if possible. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, while you're helping their schedule be successful for them, you can say those things. I love that you can speak those words of faith. We can also speak positive words when we're talking about other people that our children are working with. We can have a growth mindset about their teachers and their classes, their coaches and their teams. We can say, instead of saying, yeah, that teacher's mean, we can say, hey, I'm working together with your teacher to make sure that you're getting great help at school. And if you do ever decide that there needs to be a change, you can say things like, you know, that particular class or teacher wasn't a good fit, but we're going to find one that is and move forward in a positive way. I love that because it is so easy as a parent to get so emotionally invested and and you may be thinking to yourself, that coach is a total jerk, you know, (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) But to hold it in, to change the words that you're saying to your child and model for them what respectful advocacy looks like. And that does in turn make it more true for you as well. The more that you say that coach is a jerk, the more you believe that. So if you can start seeing it a different way, it's also helpful for you. Yes. And having a growth mindset doesn't mean that we don't have to have boundaries. You know, for talking about coaches, my children know that if they're not getting the playing time that they think they should have, or um, things aren't being set up for practice the way that they would like, we can have a growth mindset about those type of things. But especially when they were younger, if there was a coach that started um, swearing during practice or games, I mean, that was a boundary for me. Mm -hmm. That was something where they knew um, that crossed the line. But for almost all situations, we can have a growth mindset. I I actually have a funny experience as a mom. I have a child with um, a peanut allergy. And when he was in elementary school, there was a peanut-free table at lunch where um, kids that had this allergy could go and know that no one would pull out a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And it was such a comfort to me, especially when he was in first grade. And for all I knew, he was going to you know, eat something out of someone else's lunch. And so I felt like that was the best place for him to be. 
Well, some time had gone by. He was a little older and he told me this story after school. Hey, mom, some kid pulled out a Reese's peanut butter cup at the peanut free table today. And I said, what? You know, what'd you do? And he goes, well, mom, I know that I can't eat those things, of course. (laughs) And so, of course, my first reaction in this situation was, you know, what's going on at this table? We need to make sure that it's safe. But having a growth mindset, I recognized my child is older now. He doesn't need to be at that table. Now, his allergy Mm. isn't as severe as some. You know, he wasn't going to react if he just accidentally touched something. And some kids do. So for my son at that point, he'd grown up. He recognized what he couldn't eat. He wasn't at risk. He didn't need to be at that table. And so having a growth mindset, I think, can help us recognize when our children have kind of moved on and they maybe don't need some of the support that we've been giving them. Mm -hmm. And he was in a way advocating for himself. I mean, he didn't speak up to that kid and say, leave the peanut free table, (laughs) but he didn't have to because he knew his own, (laughs) he knew his own limits and boundaries. And yeah, so he was growing into advocacy. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I really, um, rule of thumb kind of think double digits. Once my kids turn 10, I mean, that's not the hard fast, but when they approach that age, I'm definitely having conversations with them about strengths and weaknesses and about things that they could do or say that would help them be their best self in every situation. Mm -hmm. And as they get older, that double digits, they have more and more opportunity to be their own voice. Now, I know that there's a lot of kids that have more severe needs. I work with a lot of them and communication will be a lifelong process. But anytime that we can help a child be their own positive voice, it's so wonderful to see their confidence grow and our ability to step away from being the sage on the stage and move to the guide on the side is so rewarding as a parent. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you. This conversation has been so insightful from having you having both the professional and the personal background and experience. I did also want to mention that when we went back and forth about whether or not you would come on as a guest, you said that I shouldn't ask where can we find you because I usually asked my guests that at the end, meaning like, what's your (laughs) website or if people want more of you, where can they find you? And you said, don't ask me that question. Do you remember what you said your answer would be if I said, where can I find you? Yeah, I don't have an amazing online presence. So if anyone wants to find me, it's in my dirty minivan driving to soccer practice or (laughs) staying up late writing IEP goals, right? Nowhere exciting. I'm just a mom that feels like this is important. You know, I absolutely love that. And I love that about this podcast is that we've had people with big platforms. And then we have moms who are in the trenches who are just as important and have just as much amazing information to share. And that every mom kind of has their own three and 30. They're things that they're experts at that they can share with us. And that has been kind of the magic of doing this podcast is realizing that, that we all have our takeaways that we can share with other people. It is so fun. I do love that. So Rachel, thanks for providing a platform where we can do this. Well, thank you for listening and thanks for emailing me and for coming on and sharing this important information about advocacy. I know it's going to help a lot of parents as they go into this new school year, especially. I loved that interview with Emily. I love the moms who listen to this show. It is this caliber of women that are so smart and committed to their families 
And it means so much to me that some of you are coming back week after week after week. In fact, at the end of that interview, Emily said to me, do you want me to recap the takeaways? And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. But she knew that I usually do that or I have the guests do that at the end of every episode. So I was grateful that she reminded me. I told her that I would just add it in this outro since I forgot to do it during the recording. So her first takeaway for how to advocate for your children and teach them and model for them how to do it for themselves is first, know your purpose in the moment as a mom and in the meeting. The second takeaway is to lead with love, to assume the best of the people who you are working with in order to help your child. And then the third takeaway is to use a growth mindset in the way that you advocate and talk about your children and the way that you think about them and allow them to grow and develop new strengths. This was such a compelling conversation. I'm very grateful for it, for even conversations that I've had to have with the adults in my own children's lives. So thank you, Emily. I also wanted to remind you before we close about the Pearl Conference that I talked about in the intro. If you're interested, please go grab your tickets this week. And you can find the link for that in the show notes on my website, 3in30podcast.com. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do every single day to advocate and care for your families. And I hope you have a great week with your children.